0: You're listening to episode 384 of the UAV Digest. I'm Max Flight. And I'm David Van Hello, Max.
1: Another week. Um, You and I evidently have been suffering from a little bit of a downpour, but we'll we'll take it. It's fall. Finally sort of feels like fall here in
0: Delaware. We're a little damp, but ready to go.
1: Yeah, we got lots of stories. I thought I put in a lot of stories and I checked back and looks like you added some more to them. Peeking at your neighbors, AUVSI Excellence Awards, Legal Issues for Construction Industry, Drone Projects That Impact Healthcare, The Cargo, Cargo Drone. That's kind of redundant. And the Hammerhead Delivery Drone. A mystery UAP that might be the military, might be aliens, a guidebook on airport response to UAS threats. A production site is chosen for the boy, the boying, the boiling, the Boeing loyal wingman and lots of lava, lots of lava. Okay, folks, I I have just got done watching Star Trek Lower Decks and having Boeing and Boimler in the same half hour is not necessarily the best thing in the world, so a Apologies for my pronunciation. But we should get started. What do you think, Max? Yeah, David, let's get started. Ohio City is considering an anti-drone voyeurism law. So Hamilton, Ohio, a resident said a man was using a drone to look in windows, fly over children playing in their yards, And chasing a woman down the street. So, needless to say, the town is going to do what they already have, which is they're setting up voyeurism or privacy laws involving drones.
0: They're going to try to, it looks like. This man actually took some video footage of this and took it to the police, but they couldn't really do anything. So, he approached the city council and they proposed a new local ordinance. This would do a lot of things. It would prohibit the use of drones to commit voyeurism. But how it does that or how it tries to do that is, um, well, it's pretty onerous, I guess. Um, The proposed law would make it illegal to use drones to invade the privacy of another's home, office, enclosed space, or the private space of another. Uh, Also to fly over property without the owner's consent. You can't fly over—or you couldn't, if this uh, goes through. You wouldn't be able to fly over crime scenes or emergency scenes. You wouldn't be able to operate drones in a manner that recklessly endangers persons, wildlife, or property, or in a manner that it harasses, disturbs, intimidates—I'm reading this, obviously annoys or threatens persons. But there's even more. To fly drones over
1: public parks, schools, municipal buildings, and property owned by the City of Hamilton School District, Hamilton Parks Conservancy, or the City of Hamilton, all of which are forbidden. And an exemption for TV Hamilton drones would be included in the law. Let's hear it for freedom of the
0: press. (laughs) There's a problem here.
1: There are privacy laws on the books. You know, and it always seems to me we don't need to make privacy
0: laws just for drones. We can
1: enforce the privacy laws on the books.
0: There's also a jurisdiction issue here, right? Drones are aircraft, and a local government can't regulate aircraft flying in the national airspace system. So they might pass this ordinance, but it's not defensible in a, in a court of law. Am I wrong there? No,
1: I think, Max, when I put in this story um, when we we were doing our show notes for the week, my gut impression is we need to revisit this literally at least two or three times a year, where we have to explain to people who maybe knew or that there are privacy laws on the books, and drones are aircraft. You can't shoot them down you can't regulate them because that's what the federal aviation administration does. So, while you're trying to do something to do something, it's not very effective.
0: So, I couldn't just stand by, David. So I had to do something.
1: So, Uh-oh. I, so I wrote proactive an proactive max look out.
0: I know, I know. I sent an email to the mayor of Hamilton and I explained these things to him. I'm not sure I'll hear back. If I do, I'd be interested to know what what he has to say. But uh, yeah, I try to make him aware that no jurisdiction. I mean, you can pass an ordinance that you know if you want to, if it makes you feel better. But courtroom, you know, it's going to get thrown out because of lack of proper jurisdiction.
1: Stay tuned till next week, where we will find out if Max Flight gets an answer from the mayor. Ohio. So, let's talk about Drones for Good. African Drone and Data Academy wins International Humanitarian Award. And this was from um, AUVSI. So, lots of good news there. Max, what else is going on in the Drones for Good category?
0: Well, the uh, AUVSI, the Association for Unmanned Vehicles Systems International, has something they call the Excellence, Humanitarian, and Public Safety Awards, and they just announced the the winners of uh, the awards. Or rather, there was an awards ceremony. I should say was held at the AUVSI Exponential 2021, and in the humanitarian project slash program category, uh, one of the winners was the UNICEF African Drone and Data Academy. Uh, which has been in operation since 2020. And this came about because uh, UNICEF partners with Virginia Tech, and the idea was to provide African youth with different skills, drone skills, data skills, entrepreneurship skills. And so this is a 10-week course where students learn how to build and test and, and fly drones and also analyze drone imagery and data. Uh, so congratulations to uh, to the academy. There were two other winners in that uh, category in the humanitarian project program category. One was Alt UAS A L T I for they doing some flying in Indonesia, and also Mission Go, who you may recall had the longest UAS human organ delivery flight. So that's one category with three winners. There's another category with three winners. David, the public safety project slash program category.
1: And the winner was the Department of Homeland Security in FEMA, Region 4, the Easy Aerial for their Smart Air Force Aerial Monitoring System, and the International Emergency Drone Organization for the Best Drone Practices Report for Fire and Rescue Responders. So all of those are really important. And AUVSI has been around a long time, Max. Remember when in their press pool, the Wi-Fi password was, don't call them drones. And I think that was our second episode. So it's been a long time and we've come, both organizations have come a long way.
0: Yeah. It was a really clever kind of uh, approach to try to get the press to stop calling them drones. And again, if you're kind of you know, new to the show or new to the, uh, the whole unmanned aviation interest area, at the very beginning, there well, the very beginning, uh, there really was no very beginning. But in the, in the modern era, let's say, of unmanned or uncrewed vehicles, there was a lot of discussion in those early days about what do you call them? And technically, they weren't drones, so we shouldn't call them drones. So, yeah, that was an attempt— to get the press to stop using the word drone, a very clever attempt, which of course was completely unsuccessful.
1: Yeah. Now look, in hindsight, it's sort of like, yeah, okay. We, we they're drones. Yep. So the next one is drones in the construction industry. And this is from um shuts.com. Drones may have many applications in the construction industry. But drone usage raises a number of legal concerns, well, of course it does,
0: yeah, they point out that there are privacy safety and insurance coverage issues. Uh, they also bring up an interesting one, the duty to maintain video and still photo records uh, and they also know that there's civil and criminal penalties associated with using drones so this this piece well, is clearly in Hamilton, Ohio, there is <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. So this this is a piece that's, uh, I think, meant to educate those in the construction industry um, who are certainly recognizing all the great applications um, that, um, you know, they can take advantage of. But the article wants to, the author wants to point out that, you know, there are some pitfalls, some, some things you need to keep in mind or be aware of as you, uh, you know, incorporate drones into your commercial construction business.
1: And I love the fact that I can talk about insurance these days. And this was an important part. Your policy might consider drones as an aircraft and trigger a coverage exclusion. Yeah, that definitely would be a problem. You know, there's nothing worse than finding out that you're flying an aircraft and it's excluded from coverage and you have an incident and it's not covered. So if you're in the construction industry, um, as well as anytime you're doing sort of professional flying with a UAS or a UAV, please check your insurance because you want to be covered should something happen. And on privacy, if an activity would be illegal for a person to perform, don't do it with a drone unless you're in Hamilton, Ohio. <laughs> um, in, in this case, this is common sense, but the drone is a camera. It's a tool, you know, and therefore you need to just allow it and treat it as such. You know, if if what you were doing, looking at something with your own two eyes would be illegal, then you can just automatically assume that looking at it through a camera on a drone would be illegal.
0: And they do talk a little bit about this data retention issue, um, but they note that those issues are really kind of still being determined and, and even litigated. So that really hasn't settled out. And the overall conclusion, I think, of this piece, which is if you're going to use drones commercially in your industry, maybe you should seek legal advice just to understand you know what some of the limitations are and the things you should be watching out for. Yep. Full
1: stop. Always check your insurance company. So three ways drones are impacting healthcare. care. This was actually three stories that were summed up. But one would be WingCopter, which we've talked about a lot, and transporting blood samples and have been transporting blood 26 kilometers in Germany.
0: Pretty impressive. That's definitely impacting health care. The second example they give is delivering COVID-19 vaccines, and they look at Sky Air and note that they're trialing vaccine delivery within a 12-kilometer range. They're doing that in India, and, you know, you might think, well, don't some vaccines have to be temperature-controlled and all that? And the answer is yes, and they're using temperature-controlled containers uh, to be uh, carried by their drones.
1: And the last one I thought was the most interesting of the three we've talked about, which is disease control in the Philippines and Malaysia the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine are using drones equipped with thermal cameras to follow macaws and monitor the transmission for malaria from animals to humans so disease control which is kind of a really interesting you know max we talked about covid a year or so ago, where, where they were thinking about using drones to monitor fevers. In this case, they're using it to monitor macaws. And the malaria can transfer very easily from the animals to humans.
0: So the article, uh, this is in Healthcare Global, it goes into a lot more detail about each of these three examples. So if you're interested in exploring those or learning more of the uh, technical details of what those three groups are doing, then you can just uh, visit the show notes and you'll find the link to that article.
1: So Kamin, our friends who make the K-Max have got a new product out called Cargo, K-A-R-G-O, kind of like cars for kids, but a much better jingle. They unveiled a medium lift UAV to resupply and distribute to the Marine Corps. This is from... Cayman's Press Release, Defense News, and Shepherd Media.
0: So the Cargo UAV, I think that's funny. It's a Cargo UAV spelled with a K. But anyway, it self-deploys beyond 500 nautical miles. Now, this is, you know, this is a, well, I would call it kind of a beast, I guess. It can carry up to 800 pounds of payload. So this isn't your tiny little quadcopter. Uh, it has built-in autonomy, including and void and uh, highly accurate deliveries. Uh, You can deliver payloads uh, with this right to the point where you want them. It's designed for easy transport and deployment, and it fits into a standard cargo container. Of course, it's folded up inside that container, but uh, according to the company, it will be able to transition from being fully stowed in the container to flight ready in a matter of just a few minutes, only requiring two personnel to do that. Uh, So really quick deploy, especially for something so large. The KMAX
1: program has been so successful as an optionally crewed vehicle, um, and the Marines loved it in Afghanistan for supply. So Cayman says this concept replaces the semi-permanent forward bases and large concentrated forces with smaller units and distributed teams that can operate across large distances. So you forward deploy and then you can deploy even further inland um, with a 500 nautical mile radius is pretty amazing.
0: And we have a video of this. And again, we'll put that in the show notes, of course. It depicts autonomous supply, both to a remote location and also doing ship to ship, I think is, is what I saw there. Um, it's an animation. And it's a good one. It, it you know it's pretty high quality, so you can really get a sense for, for what this can do. You know what I kept thinking of, that would be in the belly of, uh, one of these cargo UAVs would be a like kangaroo. No, like, a, no, like a swarm of uh, of smaller drones. So this thing could deploy a swarm right at the point where you know it's needed. Uh, then, you know, return to base. Or yeah, maybe these things are expendable. I don't know what the uh, projected price of these things is. You know, you've been
1: watching way too much science fiction, dude.
0: <laughs> yeah, one autonomous vehicle delivering multiple other autonomous vehicles. It makes, makes yeah, kind of I know.
1: Sense. You've, yeah, just like the old song, Send in the Drones. Yeah. So let's go to the civilian side. At the UAV Expo Americas 2021, the Hammerhead EV-20 was presented. The AirLogix Hammerhead EV-20 is an autonomous e delivery drone. Not quite as big as the, the, the cargo,
0: but still a sizable drone. Empty weight, 132 pounds. Maximum takeoff weight, 176 pounds. So this is obviously a bunch smaller than the, the cargo drone we were just talking about. Payload, 44 pounds. Uh, which is uh, 20 kilograms, in a range of 62 miles. And, of course, it's electric. Now, it's got two flight modes. It can either fly in quadcopter mode or in fixed wing mode. Uh, It uh, has the ability. Boy, this thing is pretty uh, wind-resistant. It can survive 49-knot average winds and gusts to 58 knots. So this could take some, some breezy weather.
1: AirLogic says this, quote, Evertol aircraft is for middle mile, commercial, and humanitarian delivery of urgent or regular supplies. So you're not doing that final mile, but you're doing a substantial distance. I I guess, Max, primarily in a humanitarian would be the optimal thing where you've got to get in quickly and... Go longer than that final mile,
0: hmm. and uh, but we have a lot of videos this episode, David. We have a video of the Hammerhead EV20 uh, that we'll put in the show notes, and you can uh, take a look at see what this thing looks like and what the mission is that they envision.
1: So, another story. This one I thought was really kind of interesting. Marriage. I don't think we can call it a your grounded file, but it definitely is unique. This is from Drone DJ, Tucson police evading super drone quad Kuiper-like with propellers reflecting light. Last February, a drone outmaneuvered and outran a police aircraft over
0: Tucson. We talked about that. And there's more information about it now. You might recall that, you know, there was this this aerial event. Uh, There was a Customs and Border Patrol helicopter that was initially involved and then... A uh, police helicopter got involved. There was a 70-mile chase at speeds of over 100 miles an hour, and this went on for an hour, altitudes of up to 14,000 feet. And they couldn't catch this, this drone, this UAV. They don't know what it was. Well, the, the more information we have now, the little more information, comes as a result of the drive's war zone reporter, Brett Tingley, and he used a freedom of information act request to get some more information he got some documents that with correspondence saying that a observer somebody said that the what they were chasing was kind of quadcopter like and uh, as you said earlier david that the whatever it was had propellers reflecting the city light uh, when it was in hovering mode also that they estimated this thing to be between three and five feet wide, so a little more information about it, but still don't know what the heck it was, yeah, and this is
1: two credible sources you know a police helicopter and customs and border um patrol patrol, yeah, maybe maybe more will come out, but clearly there was a drone buzzing around either that or there was a very tiny uFO
0: yeah i I'm thinking this is military. I don't know who's military, but I, I think this might be military. It's either military, something that's being tested, or it's aliens. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe little tiny aliens. Little tiny aliens. Yeah. I think it's military. So
1: the next story will will help. You know, The next one is a guidebook on airport response to UAS threats developed by Wolpert, published by the National Safe Skies Alliance. Wolpert.com, the National Safe Skies Alliance, published a 44-page guidebook titled Airport Response to Unmanned Aircraft Systems, or UAS Threats, as a PDF. And it was funded
0: by the FAA. And this guidebook is designed to help airport operators. And it looks at creating a plan for threats, assessing threats, uh, responding to them, and recovering from threats, all this from UAS operating in unauthorized airspace. It's 44 pages, I think, as you said, David, and it's got some pretty good information. If you're associated with an airport, I think it's something that you really should uh, take a look at uh, and consider carefully. Wolpert
1: Aviation Program Director and Principal Investigator Zachary Schumann said... This guidance includes case studies, examples, and training to help a wide variety of airports develop customized response plans that incorporate the unique characteristics and structures of their airports. It also identifies stakeholders who need to be involved in planning such efforts, outlining how to assess threats, develop mitigation strategies, inspire community involvement, and implement communications best practices. This information will help airports be better prepared to protect the airspace for their safety and all concerned. So, if you are active with an airport, definitely a document um, that you can find. And you can find it, of course, the link to the PDF on our website at the UAV digest.com.
0: That's right. David, lava. I saw this on the news.
1: Oh, did you? Oh, uh, well, video of the week. You know, lava is one of those things that, you know, between it and Wales, I think it's a tie on what we see a lot of. But this one shows lava swallowing a La Palma swimming pool. Um, It's Spain's La Palma volcano swallowing a swimming pool and houses on its way to the coast on Monday. Yeah, it's kind of amazing what happens when lava hits water.
0: So, yeah, this is pretty dramatic. Uh I mentioned it was on the news. I saw it on the on the national news, but just a short clip uh which I really suspect was from this video. The video is is quite a bit longer and gives you a different perspective, I think. The clip on the news sort of focused on this wall of of lava entering some poor resident's swimming pool and sort of the explosive reaction as a result of that. But there's other footage that's uh, pulled back more from a distance that really gives you an idea of the scope of this thing. And my God, I mean, y- you probably knew it already, but when you watch this video, you can really see clearly that if there's a lava flow coming your way, there is nothing that's going to stop it. Whatever's in the way houses, trees, swimming pools, roads, whatever they're gone. Totally, totally gone. So uh, it, it's it's kind of a cool video. And it's just a couple minutes long, so it won't take up too much of your time. But it's worth um, looking at this uh, example of Mother, Mother nature. nature winning. Yeah.
1: And we got some feedback, Max. Stephen Mitchell pointed out that a production site in Australia has been selected for Boeing's Loyal Wingman.
0: It's going to be produced at Toowoomba Well Camp Airport in Queensland. And you may recall that the uh, loyal wingman, the ATS, the air power teaming system, uh, is what they're calling it. Uh, the first flight of the ATS was this past February. And of course, this was developed by Boeing Australia in partnership with the Royal Australian Air Force. So this this really is a Australian product. It's going to be built there. I think this might be the first Boeing, You can tell me if I'm wrong. The first Boeing military offshore production site? I believe
1: so. The first Boeing offshore site, I think, is really what I saw. But Ah. we'll let our listeners correct us. But it's definitely a major milestone for Boeing. And it's moving very quickly ahead of basically all of our programs here in the States. I mean, this is the one to watch. So we'll, we'll see what happens, what the next step is. And Production should begin
0: by 2025. Excited to see that. All right. Well, we want to thank you for listening to the UAV Digest. This has been episode 384, and you can find us at the UAVDigest.com. Look for the show notes there. We've got a lot of videos this episode and uh, maybe some other photographs, some other images of some of these other unmanned aircraft that we've been talking about this episode.
1: And, of course, you can find us on social media. Both Max and I are on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on Twitter. But, of course, you really want to join our Slack listener team, and you do that by sending us an email to um, feedback at the UAVdigest.com, and we'll send you a link, and you can join the conversation and catch up on a lot of the news that we don't get to talk about during the week that does pop up. So. With that, I'm going to say we'll see you next week. This is David. And
0: this is Max saying goodbye till next time. And thanks for listening.